Welcome to the Danny Palmer Show. Does it sound cool if I say it like that? Are you starting your big podcast? Is that your cool plans for a Thursday night, you loser? Sweetie, people don't know who you are. If someone is listening to this podcast for the first time, they're going to have no idea that you're my generally angry girlfriend. Yeah, well, they better catch up quick. Because I'm not going to sit around listening to your bullshit. Why don't you go out to a bar and meet some friends? Were you going to say meet some girls? I thought, aren't I your boyfriend? Yeah, well, sometimes I wish you would meet someone else. So I could find the man in my dreams who won't be bald in 46, you fucking tool. Honey, honey, honey. What's up, gents? Uh, thank you for listening. The vainly titled Danny Palmer Show, the Fun Friday Pod. I don't know. Is it bad to say the same things each time? I don't know. It's nice to have a routine, you know? Are you, are you a fan of routine? Routine is important in your life, you know? When people say, Danny, you're too structured. Your, your day is too regimented. I'm like, the system is in place because it works, okay? If you don't work out four days a week, Monday through Thursday, and eat salads each of those days, you're going to fall into disrepair. Now, do you want to fall into disrepair, Mr. or Mrs. Listener? I didn't think so. <laughs> Anyways, what's up, Junes? Uh, I have feedback from last week. Wow, I didn't even do a sound check. I just went straight into the recording. That's how good I am at barely understanding GarageBand recordings. Um, my, my, uh, my friend Clay Thomas was on the pod on Wednesday, and uh, it's I really enjoyed talking to him. We, we've been friends for a long time. We went to college together at Mercy University down there in Macon, Georgia. We've known each other for like over, I don't know, like 20 years and shit, dude. And he's a smart, funny guy, real estate, uh, like developer, magnet. I don't know what the fuck. He's good at real estate. And he's also a preacher. We talked a lot about that, about religion. Uh, my friend Carissa had feedback. She goes, oh my God, when Clay says he loves you so much, he'd have guilt about not getting you saved if I died tonight. <laughs> That's nice. You know, he's a supportive friend. He wants to, he doesn't want me. To, I mean, if, if you are a, a Christian or like a, have a strong faith system and you think your friend is going to rot in hell for eternity. Yeah. I've talked to him. <laughs> Nobody wants that. That's, that's a heavy burden to pay for all of eternity. <laughs> all right. I'm agnostic. And then she said, uh, Oh, and now the people leaving y'all food, I'm done. I guess she was getting emotional listening to it because I was talking about when I was like eight years old in St. Pete, Florida, we were poor and this family brought, uh, or I don't know who it was, but some people brought us some food from our church, which was nice. You know, at the time we we're like, oh my God, God brought us some fucking, God brought us food. I mean, obviously it was a family that was like, oh, these people are pretty poor, but it was a nice gesture and it is emotional, Chris, so you're correct. Okay. There's no fun way to get off that topic. And then... Do you guys, uh, if you have a right, like a day, or it doesn't even matter if you have a regular day job. If you have a job, do you feel a sense of loyalty to your employer? You know, like someone was telling me, as Chris was telling me this, she read somewhere, somebody made like a meme on LinkedIn or something. It was like, if you died tomorrow, your employer would post your job immediately. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, man. Because it's like, oh, should you be loyal to your current employer? Like, what if they were really nice to you? What if they gave you a really good opportunity? What if they saved you from the unemployment ditch? And then you find a better opportunity. Are you a dick for leaving? It's like an open, fair question, you know? It's like a lot of things in life. It's great. It's nebulous. Who's to say? Depends on the circumstances. Are you a good guy? Doesn't matter that it... Like, is there a loyalty transaction between an individual and a company? If it's a large company, if it's a medium company, if it's a small company, what 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 are the shades there? How do you break that down? I don't know. I don't fucking know, dude. I don't fucking know. I do think... I do wish that there was a... Or I think that there is a need for work therapy. Everybody has like personal therapy, relationship therapy, uh, but you know, therapy for kids. But what about therapy for all the fucking P 
PTSD you have from corporate life, <laughs> like things you fucked up or like mistakes you've made or, you know, I don't know, people that were mean to you or weren't fair to you, or maybe people that, you know, accurately assessed your lack of abilities and called you out on it. And, you know, you're like, ah, oh, fuck, I guess I'm bad at that. <laughs> Shit. I feel like that's the one thing. I mean, you can't speak in generalizations, you know, but I do feel like in corporate America, there's a tendency when they have like the performance reviews, like the annual evaluations to be like, Oh, list your, what are you good at? What do you not, what do you need to work on? What are your development areas? What are your weaknesses? And then the employer can be like, well, you have these three weaknesses. So we were going to give you a 5% raise, but you only met four out of the five criteria. So we're only going to give you a 4% raise. And you're like, Oh man, if only I was a little bit better at that one thing, my company would give me more money. And then you feel bad about yourself. It's like, uh, is that really what we should be focused on? You know, like, I don't know, maybe it is, but it just seems kind of shitty. It makes you feel kind of bad about yourself. You know, it's like, can we just, there's like that debate about, should you focus on developing your weaknesses or improving your strengths? I guess obviously you should do both, but shouldn't you spend more time developing your strengths than improving your weaknesses? And if you focus too much on your weaknesses, what if they're just inherent, uh, you know, blind spots or things that you're naturally not good at and don't want to get good at? Are you supposed to just like root, you know, whip yourself on the back with a fucking whip or like a chain or whatever and be like, oh, Danny, you fucking loser. You don't know how to do a fucking pivot tables in Excel and you're not organizing information clearly enough, you fucking tool. Like, are you supposed to beat yourself up or just be like, dude, let me dude, let me just do a podcast and I'll talk about stoner shit. Like, that's what I want to do. Like, fuck this fucking corporate life, you know? I mean, I like it to some extent because it's like challenging. It makes you be disciplined and you learn stuff and talk to people and make new friends and shit like that. But at the same, at the, on the other side of the token, it's just like, can I just get paid to like chill? <laughs> All I want to do is just tour theaters for comedy and, uh, and do a podcast, you know? And then there's so many people in the comedy world that do do that or apparently so seemingly so. And they're like, ah, oh, Danny, you fucking loser. Some of your friends are much younger and more successful. What are you doing, pal? You're fucking staring at a fucking coaster on a Thursday, dude, get, get your fucking shit together, pal. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Is this generally applicable? I feel like it is. I feel like it is. Um, obviously, I don't like uh, I don't like the Atlanta Braves, but when the Braves won the World Series, it got me thinking back to my time in Atlanta. And uh, dude, I love Atlanta. Atlanta's like a great place. The people there are very nice. It's like it's like the you know kind of mecca of the South, the city too busy to hate. And I lived there from 2000 to 2008, and in 2003, Speaker Box, The Love Below, came out. Dude, that that fucking double album, man. Me and my uh, my girlfriend and her best friend and like all our friends, we fucking loved that shit. So I was looking up some background on Speaker Box The Love Below. It, what what are you doing now? You're talking about a 2003 hip hop album, white boy? Hey, 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 hey. You know, when's the last time? I mean, seriously, when's the last time you thought about, oh, what was the genesis, the origin of the Speaker Box The Love Below? It was the fifth studio album by Outkast. It was released on what, what date? What year do you think? I'll tell you, September 23rd, 2003 by Arista Records. It was a double album. And the first album is Speaker Box, and that's Big Boy. And then the second is The Love Below, and that's Andre 3000. And actually, the and it had like Hey Ya and The Way You Move. They both hit number one. It won Grant, or Album of the Year at the Grammys. It had Roses. Caroline, Caroline. She's the reason for the word, bitch. I worked with this girl, Caroline, at Ann Taylor uh, Corporate Headquarters, and I would, I was like, Caroline, you know that song, Roses? Like, do you like that song? And she's like, no, it says, Caroline, you're the reason for the word, bitch. I, I don't like it. And I was like, ah, fair, fair. <laughs> anyway, 
Speaker Box, The Love Below, spent 24 weeks in the top 10. It was certified diamond. I, don't, I, figure, I don't know what that means. I'm not going to look it up. And 11 times platinum by the RIAA. Each disc in the double album counted as a separate unit for certification. Hmm, that's interesting. It sold like 6 million units like back before fucking Napster started stealing every shit, I believe. And uh, dude, it's just, it's an, it's an incredible, it's an incredible double album. Uh, I mean, it's just like a fucking monumental work of art, you know? Like, what the fuck? And, and it's interesting because it's their fifth studio album. Their fourth was Stankonia. Stankonia, Jojo, whatever you do. Oh, yeah. That came out in 2000. And then Andre 3000 wanted to do something different. So he moved from Atlanta to LA to pursue an acting career. He had a minor role in Hollywood Homicide in 2003. I haven't seen that. And a one-episode appearance in the drama series The Shield. Didn't know that either. Then he returned to music, and he wanted to make stuff that was different than material he had rep- recorded as part of Outcast. Isn't that dude? I, I love when artists do that. It's like, okay, I've done these things and they're wildly successful and I'm a complete badass. And now I'm going to do something different. You know, it's kind of like, like Jason Bateman when he went from Arrested Development and primarily comedy based roles to Ozark, which is pure drama. You know, you can still get a sense for that underlying sense of humor that he has, but it's like, why not challenge your, your output, your creative output? What else you got? What else you fucking got, dude? So Andre went and recorded five songs. Then he went back to Atlanta. He told Big Boy about it. And um, and then Big Boy was like, okay, I'll make my own album. I think that's how it worked. And the, Big Boy said the idea was just to keep it funky, keep it jamming. It's always been, it's always bass heavy and lyricism. It's all about lyrics, taking pride in your pen and your pad. Also applicable to stand up. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? <laughs> I love that buzz. He says his, fam- his favorite song to record was Unhappy. He spent several days working on its hook before driving to his mother's home and playing the song in her driveway, to which she responded enthusiastically. Dude, I don't even remember that song, Unhappy. I gotta fucking play that. Dude, play that fucking... Play- Tell your listeners to play that song when they're done listening to your pod. All right, sweetie, I will. Thanks for the encouraging words. <laughs> so then they're both making their own album. Then they went back to Stankonia Studios in downtown Atlanta, which is where they recorded Stankonia. Dude, this is so interesting. I love going back and like reading about things that you thought you knew about, and then it turns out you actually didn't know about them. Like that shit came out in what two thousand and three. This is what eighteen years later. I didn't know the shit from eighteen years ago. Now I spend fucking ten minutes reading a fucking Wikipedia page. Are you just reading Wikipedia pages? Are you thinking that's gonna count as content? Yeah, your podcast is really gonna blow up. Hey, fuck you. Okay, so don't say fuck you to your girlfriend. How dare you? All right, you're right. You're right, honey. I'm sorry. Sometimes I get mixed up and think you're me. I'm not you. I'm your girlfriend. Fair. <laughs> so they they were thinking about doing a motion picture, which I don't really know. I guess they're going to make their own movie or they were recording a soundtrack for somebody else. I'm not really sure. But they reconsidered and compromised by interpolating background noise into songs, such as the slamming of car doors and footsteps. Dude, that's interesting. That's interesting. Because when you listen to it, it is like such... It's a very unique album or double album because there's like conversations i think doesn't that i think it has that track where are my panties now where are my panties i can't find my panties <laughs> dude if you fucking isolated that i could see my friends doing that isolating that and using it to mock me until the day i'm dead you fucking dicks um but they uh they they were gonna do a motion picture they eventually settled on releasing a double album instead of each of them releasing solo albums and it blew the fuck up it's fucking fucking record of the year at the grammys you know after it just started with like Andre moving to LA to try to get into acting or to get into acting, recording five songs on his own. Fast forward to uh, album of the year. That's that's when you know you're good. <laughs> the thing you weren't even trying to do, you did. 
pretty fucking badass. But they said that uh, the end of the re- John Fry, who was the what is he the fucking producer of this shit or some shit like that? I don't fucking know. I don't remember. Didn't I say that like a few? Somebody rewind that. And just tell me what it is. All right. John Fry is a dude. Uh, yeah, I think he's the producer. He said that the end of the recording sessions were particularly stressful for Andre three thousand, who he described as drained from working at four studios simultaneously. Uh, what? All right. And in total, an estimated one hundred twenty songs were recorded for Speaker Box to love below. Dude, one hundred twenty songs. That's fucking crazy bro that reminds me that there's something like when prince died he had like 27 albums of of unrecorded music recorded like because he's just like is an artist and does create that's like all he does is create like that twilight tharp quote that i always go to art is a vast democracy of habit like if you want to be a great musician you want to be a great comedian you want to be a great fucking sculptor wow oh wow you came up with a third art form you're so smart all right whatever you know you got to fucking make it a fucking habit and it has to be. And then I was also listening to a podcast with um, uh, fucking Russell Peters on Kevin Hart's Comedy Goldmines podcast. And he was like, if you want to, uh, you can't set out to be embraced by the comedy world. You just have to make comedy for the world. Like that is the method. Like, oh, I'm going to be a star. I'm going to be rich and famous. Just go make some shit over and over until you're fucking good. Is the fucking path to success as the guy sitting in his apartment alone on a Thursday night. Okay, relax. Just fucking relax. ATL Georgia, whatever we do, for ya. All right, that concludes the uh, Stankonia album uh, review section of this. And uh, now, well, I don't know. What are you going to do next? You going to talk about your AI article? You going to sign off, you pussy? Hey, sweetie, just uh, uh, you're supportive to me one out of ten times, and the other nine times, it's just a, a, a mis- like a brutal attack. Well, you deserve it nine out of ten times. You're 90% shitty. <laughs> All right, fair. <laughs> you know what, dude? I think I'm going to keep the, the fun Friday pot a little short this week. Does it, does it matter how fucking long it is? I was going to go through and read this article about AI. And like I was, it was going to be like, a st- you know what? I'm going to save that for next week. Next Friday will be a stoner's guide to AI. Okay. And it's just basically me like reviewing this article that talks about AI and being like, whoa, dude, that shit's going to fucking kill us one day, bro. Be careful, dude. Um, but let me just end with uh, an inspiring quote. It's not even a quote. It's like a an inspiring uh, essay that I really enjoyed. Once again, comes from my uh, my dude, Shane Parrish. That's his name. He writes the Farnham Street blog online. It's excellent. I've talked about it on the pod before. If you haven't heard, he has a newsletter. Just go to FarnhamStreet.com. It's a lot of like uh, deep thinking and articles about how to have developmental models, how to make decisions, how to live your a better life. Um, and a lot of like great thinkers and Wall Street titans use it to help guide their thinking and decision making. Anyways, he sends out this newsletter on Sundays and it's always got something really good on it. Um, what I really enjoyed this past Sunday was he starts with this quote from Epictetus. He's some like Greek dude or some shit from like way in the past, bro. <laughs> Epictetus says, it is impossible for a man to learn what he thinks he already knows. Ah, the ultimate lesson of humility and by the way, if you're ever looking for a lesson in humility, move to New York when you're 32 from Atlanta and try to pursue a career in stand-up and then let 13 years go by in a pandemic hit and then see how your career is going and see how fucking great you are. Okay, it's a quick, 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 quick 13-year lesson. <laughs> Anyways, Shane talks about that humility is the anecdote to arrogance. Humility is a recognition that we don't know, that we were wrong, that we were wrong, that we're not better than anyone else. Humility is simple to understand, but hard to practice. 
Humility isn't a lack of confidence, but an earned confidence. I really like that idea. You know, it's not like if you're humble, it doesn't mean you're like insecure or not confident or just like looking down and kicking the rock and being like, oh, shucks, I'm dumb. That's not what it means. It means you've done things in the world over and over and learned that you're not as good as you thought you were. Like when I moved to New York, I was like, I would watch these uh, Comedy Central stand-up specials. And some of them were good, but some of them I thought were terrible. And I would just sit there in my girlfriend's apartment. Trisha, what's up, Trisha Bean? Shout out. I would sit there in her apartment in Atlanta and, and watch specials and be like, this fucking sucks. This guy sucks. How do you get a fucking special? I'm way better than that. And then I moved up to New York and I realized there are thousands of comedians that are way better than me and I've been practicing it for way longer. And uh, I get in fucking line, Palmer. You're not that great. <laughs> and so it's earned it's earned confidence, you know? The confidence to say that you might not be right, but you've done the diligence and you've put in the work. Humility keeps you wondering what you're missing or if someone is working harder than you. I mean, if you move to New York to do stand-up, someone is always working harder than you. They're fucking they're doing six spots a night. They're busting their fucking ass. And you're just sitting there being like, oh, man, I want more stuff. I want more success. Yeah, we'll get fucking Mark Norman, dude. Classic example. That guy just like bust his ass you know and he's got much success now and more power to him dude he's a fucking he's a great guy i'm friends with him and uh he just i remember like i would do shows at the stand i used to host the tuesday night uh five dollar funnies there a lot and he would always like come like barreling in at the last minute and he's like sweating and like you know like uh, pulling his shirt to fan himself like as he's on stage or right before he's about to go on stage because he's busting his ass going from spot to spot getting better and better and now it's like paying off so you got to earn that shit, man. Um, what did I say? Yeah, so humility keeps you wondering what you're missing or someone is working harder than you, a.k.a. Mark Normand. And yet, when pride and arrogance take over, humility flees, and so does our ability to learn, adapt, and build lasting relationships with others. That is true, man. You know, you get an argument, or you think you're, you think you're good, and you think you've been slighted, and then all of a sudden you're like proud, and you're arrogant, and you're like talking like in a in a boastful manner or like talking over people and trying to dominate the conversation you're not being humble when the pride and arrogance take over you know it's a it's kind of a good prompt to when you do get like arrogant and or prideful like hey 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 dipshit you're not so great be humble you know talk are you talking to yourself i hope you're not scolding listener i'm not scolding listeners dude i'm speaking generally all right we'll keep going then <laughs> Okay, so Shane Parrish continues, humility won't let you take credit for luck. And humility is the voice in your mind that doesn't let small victories seem larger than they are. Humility is the voice inside your head, inside your head that says, anyone can do it once, that's luck. Can you do it consistently? Um, yeah, and that, that idea about the voice in your mind that doesn't let small victories seem larger than they are, like I do read that a lot about, I mean, once again, back to comedy, but comedy is a good metaphor for life and there are definitely lessons to be learned within the arena of pursuing comedy that you can apply to your broader life. Um, and you know, like if you, let's say you get I I don't know, an appearance on the tonight show. Oh my God, I'm on the tonight show. That's great. If you put all of your self-worth and, um, sense of accomplishment and, and self-identity into that, um, you know, amazing achievement, but limited, not limited that it's not that great, but limited in the time that it occurs, like you're on the Tonight Show, it's on YouTube forever. But then, it, I mean, it goes away at some point, right? Like you're not on the Tonight Show every fucking night. Like if you are so dependent on that one burst, that one big moment in your life, you're just going to crash into the ditch all the other moments. So you can't get too high in the highs and you can't get too low in the lows. More than knowing yourself, humility is accepting yourself. Ooh. 
Have you accepted yourself? You're asking your listeners if they've accepted themselves? Is that what this podcast has become? <laughs> All right, Danny. I think the conceit has run its course for this episode. Okay, thank you for listening to the fucking Danny Palmer Show. You fucking jeans. 20 minutes content. I always notice every week, like, which which one does better, the interview or the Fun Friday pod? Usually, the interview beats out the Fun Friday pod, but not by a lot. And it's a fucking pain in the ass to set up an interview, and it's pretty easy for me to just sit here and stare at my gin and water by myself. So I'm, I'm only two drinks in. I'm actually 1.5 drinks in on a Thursday. I'm not having three drinks. I'm not smoking weed. I'm being chill. You're doing good, honey. You're really raining it in. <laughs> All right. Uh Hit me up on Instagram. No one ever does. Danny Palmer NYC. Also the Danny Palmer Show. I've also added the podcast to Facebook. I don't even know if that fucking matters. But my hosting service, Buzzsprout, there we send these weekly emails. They're like, now Facebook is getting into podcasts. So post your RSS feed of your pod to Facebook. So I've done that. So you can find it there. You can find it on Stitcher, Overcast, blah, blah, fucking June. Oh, yeah. You turn it off, right? I'm going to unsnap my bra. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening, June.